Hey, it's the FinTech Newscast. My name's John, and with me is a guy who makes VCs whip out their checkbooks whenever they hear his name. Steve, how are you doing? I am well. I'll say, hi, I'm Steve. Uh, I'm FinTech. Please give me $100 million, please. Thank you. Boom. Done. Boom. Boom. Seated. <laughs> Funded. Well, you Onto have the, the next kind one. of uh, faith that's starting to get a little mm, wavery, a little shaky these days. Uh, a lot of uh, FinTechs are kind of shaking out, which... We kind of knew would happen whenever things, the valuations uh, are, are so high. You know, you have a, a little bit of a shakeout between the winners and the losers and some kind of issues with the business models. Some of that is showing up in buy now, pay later. BNPL is starting to go through its their, their first losses kind of, or expenses, I should say, on the credit reserve side. We've seen that. It's interesting how, you know, last year, you know, if if you look back at the summer of 2020, 2021, there seems to be a lot of emphasis on BNPL. We talked a lot about a firm and Peloton and how this is going to be a new a new paradigm, a new, a new way to do business, a new way to get access to credit without actually having to be underwritten, you know, no pulling credit files and all this stuff. And now it seems credit. like... Exactly. Hey, he posts the right kind of Facebook post, yeah. so... <laughs> He has the right kind of friends, and therefore yeah. he should be. Uh, we should grant grant him some some credit here. But now, yeah, as you say, the industry is facing a lot of uh, scrutiny, a lot of um, potentially legal actions, and just a lot of down valuations and just scrutiny from the media as well. Yeah, not just the credit losses that are starting to become a factor, as we kind of suspected. But uh, you're right; some of the uh, regulatory stuff, like following anti discrimination laws issues with fair lending, uh, the kind of things that regulated banks have had to deal with for decades. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's funny, um, I there was this article in the Wall Street Journal, I think this week, that, that talked about how there's been um, growing disillusionment with the whole buy now, pay later space. And they it, it had a really astounding uh, stat here. So apparently in California, 91% of all consumer loans were BNPL loans. That is an insane number, John. More than nine out of 10 loans are BNPL. Yeah, I'm shocked that that it would be so high in California relative to other places. Is that just a a function of um, everyone buying into the tech industry hype in California more than in other places? It may be that. I definitely have seen a lot of ads on like, you know, bus shelters and places for, you know, a firm (laughs) um, afterpay, right? If you don't live anywhere near Silicon Valley, it's... Shocking. It's so funny to see the bus stand ads for fintechs uh, here, you know, banking as a service, uh, oh, online yeah. banking, uh, security, data security companies. Oh, very, my God. This seems like very obscure kind of services that you're like, who is um, who is this targeted to? This is always a ma- mass audience kind of ad. It's not. It's always a trip when you get when you land at SFO and then you go take the one on one north and you see ads for like cloud computing and cybersecurity. And just, that's all you see. No Coca-Cola, no whatever customer <laughs> brands. It's all just SaaS services. It's it's pretty amazing. But yeah, I, I don't know whether that number in California is high because we're, we are more exposed to the services or whether we just track it better. But again, it, it seems like a really high number. And it's actually worth noting that there's also a few other interesting demographic details about how BNPL is being used right now. Apparently it's extremely popular with the Gen Z folks. So the, 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 the TikTok people who have, you know, again, kind of uh, broadened their access to this. And now there's also sort of this new subculture of buying fast fashion on BNPL and mm. unboxing all that stuff for your audience. Long-term on payments for disposable 
clothes. Oh my God. Yeah. Apparently mo- most of these transactions are actually for fast fashion. So one that's, that's, that won't be in season next year. If it's even, you know, intact, it like, it will not survive a year of wear. And two, it's just a really environmentally destructive industry as well. So this is kind of a triple whammy for the BNPL space here. On the credit side, I, I saw Afterpay's losses uh, are up to 1.17% of total payment dollars processed uh, mm-hmm. in its latest quarter, the, the highest it's ever been for them. And Zip said their bad debts and expected credit losses went up by 403% in the last six months of 2021. Yikes. So we're really, they're really getting put to the test on whether their alternative credit models are going to hold up in a recession. Hey, but you know, something, 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 m- machine learning, we can, we can make better credit <laughs> yeah. decisions, right? We're just better than those old fashioned banks. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, going back to the demographics, it's also interesting that um, if you look at who's actually using the, the services, we mentioned, of course, um, how Gen Z loves the, the services, but also apparently there's even um, a difference if, depending on, on your ethnicity. So that um, a study by Morning Consult found that basically a third of Black and Hispanic Americans have used these services, but only 14% of white Americans had. So there's even, there's there's an age, but also a an ethnicity this, this discrepancy in how all this stuff is, is being used right now. I guess there's going to be some correlation there with the income discrepancy as, as well. Is, is that what that's reflecting? I, I believe that's the case. Yeah, I, I guess it's just, it's one of the countless examples of how ethnic minorities in the U.S. tend to get essentially screwed over by, by the system, whether that be Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan or Klarna. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not just the big guys anymore. Or providing, providing services that uh, are allowing you to buy something that you otherwise couldn't have, and then it's, it's up to you. Yeah, I mean, you could see it both ways then, can't you? That, that is the upside. That is the upside. Um, uh, it's also... Flexibility to go bankrupt just like the big guys, just like just, Trump did. Just like Trump did. <laughs> he said it was um, a smart move, so... Yeah, well, th- there is a glimmer of, of hope in this in, in, in that, you know, we now have, um, I think, uh, as we mentioned, in, increased scrutiny in this space, which is always good, sort of more, more, more sunlight, right, to understand how these processes work. Um, and also, it seems like there's also uh, states are increasingly looking into this as well and, their, and, and how these companies operate. So... We know we we talked about how in the UK there's there's been many inquiries into um, their whole their BNP, BNPL space, and now even in California they're actually um, they're slapping some of these companies with with fines for essentially operating a lending business without a lending license. All right, in keeping with the troubled world of fintech for for this month's episode, it's a layoff season apparently in the world of fintechs, including uh, Klarna, BNPLs, Sorry. including BNPLs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to see what's really changing now that the lockdowns and the pandemic has really becoming history and we get back to normal. And the people who did so well during the, the pandemic, we're, we're going to see if they, they, they keep it up. BNPL is, uh, Klarna is already having, what, is it their first layoffs? 10% of their employees, a big chunk. I, I think it's the first time that they do layoffs, and it's also the first time that they raise at a, at a what's, what's called a down round. So it's the first time that they raise at a valuation lower than the previous round. $16 billion less valuation than the last time. They're, um, they're going to right size. And I should say that actually, this is, you know, I should note that I'm actually, uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of, of the, the notion of creative destruction, of the fact that maybe this will 
strengthen these companies and kind of if, if you trim the fat, you'll 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 emerge as, as a stronger, better player. But it's it's still interesting that this is the first time that, the, that these companies have faced in about 12 years a bear market, right? We, we've been in a bull market for so long that it'll be great to see who can survive this, who can actually thrive, and who will just eventually either die a slow death or just completely come to a halt in the next <laughs> yeah. six to 12 months or so. That's right. That's right. Now you're going to hear all those old uh, sayings that they had during the first dot-com boom, like uh, right. nobody swimming. knows who's not wearing shorts and when the tide goes out. Um, you know, e- even turkeys can fly in a hurricane. You know, oh, oh uh, there was a thing where you try to combine your different uh, portfolio companies together to get them to survive. And they would describe that as uh, tying two rocks together to see if they could float. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> lots of these. And uh, these companies don't have experience with hmm, different business cycles. So they kind of flubbed the, even the layoff process. Oh, uh, the Klarna one was uh... so bad. Yeah, it was Klarna. Let's please get into it. It's Klarna. So essentially the CEO of Klarna, I think in, the, in a well-intentioned move, decided to to, pub, to pub, make a LinkedIn post about, hey, we're laying off 10, 10% of, of our workers. Um, I think it's about, it's a, it's a few hundred employees maybe. But then he proceeded to have a link to their workers' names and email addresses in a, in a Google Doc that he shared via LinkedIn so that recruiters could actually get in, get in touch with them. Um, well-intentioned, but oh my God, what a privacy nightmare. Without asking, I guess. I, I'm assuming that's the case. Yeah, but I mean, imagine, uh, first of all, making your layoff public. So having your name be out in public as somebody who just got laid off and also having your email. Oh, that's be- how my wife found out that I got laid off. <laughs> You know, it could be something like that, right? <laughs> Via tweet or something. Um, yeah. yeah, it's 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 almost like yeah, yeah. Um, and then and just having your CEO be sort of so tone deaf to be able to say, you know, hey, uh, these are awesome employers. Um, uh, please, somebody hire them. Uh, it's it's a little we don't bit, want them because we don't want them exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit reminiscent. Here's our bottom ten percent. Please yeah. go go for it. Please, now please, you can make up your own him, yeah. story that you left on your own or anything like that in the interview. It's all out there. Right, right. You were looking for a new opportunity. You didn't want to. Get, you wanted to get out of the BNPL space because it's kind of shady. Yeah. No, it's right yeah. here in the article. You got laid off. You got, you got off. laid off. Yeah, yeah. And we saw this last year with um, I think the Better.com CEO, which which who also laid off several hundred people in two rounds, I believe, over Zoom. So it's just. People who don't don't have good experiences in dealing with bear, bear markets, sort of flubbing how they operate their company and, and how they deal with a very with sensitive people. topic of laying off, or with people exactly. Because yeah, you know yeah. the newer companies, uh, I mean, there's a lot to be said about having the engineer or people close to the product that are at the CEO level, but yeah. sometimes they're a little bit mechanical and they don't yeah, have the, ex- the people skills. They don't. They have a low EQ, low EQ. Yeah, there's a few companies uh, laying off. Uh, Gemini is cutting 10% uh, of their people. Seems like a nice round number. I, I don't know if that's really, is that always exactly 10%? But Bolt, uh, I, I don't know if we've mentioned them before. They had a really good valuation just recently. Uh, they're laying off 30%. It's a little bit bigger layoff than the other guys in a really fast growing market that's gotten really high valuations. It is. Well, Bolt is basically a, a fast checkout payment company, which is sort of, you know, pay, pay, pay with Bolt, no need to put in your like address, the Stripes, your credit card. the Marquettas, the, those kind of guys are, are traditionally doing really well. To an extent. Um, same with Fast.com, which actually, which actually <laughs> until, now. At, on, on, <laughs> until now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they actually, they had a really interesting policy that they, they I think um, they 
announced about a year ago where they, they were going to have a four-day work week, which I thought was, oh, this is this is kind of kind of, kind of an interesting way to, to look at how how we engage with with work. And now, boom, you you can work for days a week or you can just not have a job at all. But you know, they're also in a in a very interesting space because so it's a winner take all kind of thing. Like the remaining I, workers get to work four days. The ones um, who got laid off kind of miss out on that. Or yeah, that, do you think that'll get reversed? That's that's a really good point. I'm assuming that if you're going through a downturn, there's a need to kind of really focus and 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 make sales and ship out product and do the things you have to do to actually stay alive and 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 be competitive in the next 18 to 24 months. So I wouldn't be surprised if they actually reversed their policy and had a you know a five day a week policy, We're even if it's six meant days a week. Remote. Actually, yeah. exactly. Can you uh, help us out We're, here? We kind of really want to. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to go 996 now. So a complete 180. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of reminds me of that new Tesla announcement. Elon Musk was saying, you got to be in the office at least 40 hours a week. Actually, there's some nuance there. Yeah, because if you notice, he mentioned at least for 40 hours a week. That means that you could technically work, you know, 10 Four hour days, days exactly, yeah. and just work, but, but still get a chance to work remotely on Friday. What does he so. mean? Does, does he really mean that? Or does he mean like work like a standard week? And if you want to do more work at home, that's that's okay too. But I I think what it means is that if, if you want to work ten hours Monday through Thursday, then you can work remotely on Friday. You, you think you, it, you it earn that mean privilege, the hours, not the days. I, I I think it's the hours. Yeah. So you do get that privilege. So, so thank you, Elon. What a graceful God. It depends how strong the ganja was that that day. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, there is kind of this uh, and coming back from the pandemic and lockdown thing, right? Yeah, and especially in payments, we even saw that Coinbase just announced um, as of today's recording, which is, you know, we're doing this on, on June 2nd, they announced that not only do they have a hiring freeze, they also are rescinding offers they've made to employees. That has to be a brutal thing as, a, as, a, as an employee sucks. to take, right? That really <laughs> kind of sucks. Hey, yeah. I got a job at Coinbase for about three hours. Yes. And then, sorry, your offer was rescinded. I'm wondering from a legal pr- perspective, what recourse does an employee have? in that i know right because if you made actions oh i sold my house to move because uh, you gave me a job offer i mean there's some there's some real loss there based on based on a reasonable reliance on what they told you yeah yeah so i i'd have to assume that um maybe they get kind of severance or you know something to make up for the fact that they no longer have a job but man that would be a brutal place to be in I, I still, um, even though there's fears of a recession looming and everyone seems to point to, to it coming by late this year or all of next year, I still don't know how, it seems like spending is still up. So either these companies are looking for a way to kind of take take back control and become more, more executive team friendly than employer friendly, or they're taking measures to kind of trim the fat. Because I just don't see how this sort of, not overreaction, but this level of reaction I don't know how this is warranted by by the market right now. I know that the VC space is, is a lot tighter now and it's maybe more difficult to get funding. But if you're a company with positive cash flow, why would you need to, to fire, you know, between 20, 10 and 30% of your workforce for what hasn't been quite sorted out yet? It seems like well, we're, we're still in the middle of it. Well, the other thing is what happens when there's there's new companies and a lot of hype is that you don't care about profits. And then when the market kind of deflates a little bit, you got to go, okay. What do we got to do to chop this down so that we're 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 not funding you know moonshots and uh, things that are bringing money to the bottom line you know trimming the fat a bit because uh, the the hype isn't there to support that anymore 
So right. it could be like just a focus on profitability uh, as well. In some cases, let, let's see. I think Gemini, the, their cut is more uh, along that line where they're kind of, you know, the, the trading is going up and down. You know, they're, they're still going to be fine, but, you know, they, maybe they've gotten ahead of themselves on, on the hiring side. Yeah, I mean, I see it from, uh, um, I can see why you would want to take such drastic measures if you're a crypto company like Coinbase or Gemini. But if you're a Bolt or, you know, or, or a Klarna or something, I don't understand how the, or I guess Klarna also makes sense. But if you're a non-crypto, non-BNPL company, it seems like there's less of an imperative to actually lay off people right now. But yeah, I could yeah. be wrong. What is your growth? What is your growth prospect? Where, where exactly. are you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's a difference on the crypto side between the retail trading and the institutional side of things. Right. So the, the retail might be crashing down, but we see more and more banks and large uh, trading companies, brokerages supporting crypto in the back end for, for larger investors. So I, I, would, I would guess uh, the exchange layoffs are more on the retail side and the institutional is uh, stable, if not growing. That's my yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a, a pretty good guess, I think. It's all bad news right now. So let's go to the next. I actually <laughs> have, yeah. yeah. I actually I actually have some some what what I think is ultimately pretty good news. Let's see. They, uh, so the DOJ has now unveiled an indictment against what I'm assuming now is a former um, Open Open Sea um, executive. Oh, an indictment. Yeah, that's that's great news. That's always good news. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> the story here shines is that the light of justice into a dark space. Sure, the long arm of justice is coming to get you, my friend. Um, if, so this if they're guy... only catching one guy on insider trading uh, for NFTs, there's a very long way to go. This is a very oh, corrupt market. That is the tippy top of the iceberg. I actually heard, right. interestingly enough, that even the son of the world's second richest man was engaged in some sort of N NFT tomfoolery as well. So it's, it's across the board. Is what the indictment says. It's <laughs> You've been charged with tomfoolery. Thank you, thank you. So this guy, Nate Chastain, was a, was a product manager for OpenSea. And he would basically be able to see what NFTs would be put on the OpenSea homepage. He was in charge was of public. that. That's in charge the funniest of that. part. He's in yes. charge of putting things on the homepage. And he's exactly. buying it and then putting it on there. So... Uh, conflict of interest. Conflict of interest, indeed. It seems, and also, honestly, like you have a pretty good job at it. You have, you have a pretty, uh, you know, a great sounding job for a company that's very prominent as sort of the leader in the NFT space. Why would you risk all that for the Let's grand- Let's blow it up. Let's nuke that. Guess how much he made on all these trades, by the way. Let's see. NFTs are hot. So I'm going to say 2.2 million. Oh my God. No. From scamming people. $64,000. You could- Make that much answering a question. You could make that much in just, the nineteen sixties. Just, just, just work. <laughs> yeah, if you know your your trivia, yeah, yeah. But or yeah. just working a regular job for just a few months. That's not that much money, huh? Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, ruin your good name for sixty four grand. It just it's 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 not a good idea. So the, the way that, that the 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 scam works, kind of um, put a bow on it, is that uh, as we said, he would know what what NFTs would be placed on the homepage. He would then buy them with an anonymous account. And then sell them as soon as they hit the, the homepage, maybe one or two days later, to realize a gain or a profit. So what's the um, lesson, again, boys and girls? It's not anonymous. The blockchain is not completely anonymous. It's not anonymous. And also just maybe don't don't do that. Um, but I, I do think that this is actually <laughs> pretty good news. 
Um, I do think that this is positive news because it means that there's some scrutiny coming to this really wild west space um, with with the whole long way NFT. to go. Yeah, it's a long yeah. it's a long way to go, but um, hopefully this will dissuade other players to commit other acts of tomfoolery. He'll get a fine of thirty two thousand dollars out of this. <laughs> I'm gonna bet exactly. exactly. Hopefully more. Hopefully more. Uh, how about the regulatory challenges? Uh, CFPB is ending its sandbox program. Is that right? They are. So as we we discussed, I think about two years ago, or so they had this program where uh, any fintech could basically develop their, they could um, uh, write a letter to, to, to the CFPB explaining what they were trying to do, when, what, how their, their product would work. And they would be able to essentially operate without facing facing any and any sanctions, basically. And now the NFT, the NFC, and now the CFPB is saying that um, they're taking a slightly different approach. So this no approach, more punch they, bowl? no no more punch bowl, baby, no no more of that. They basically said that this approach, which they had before the 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 sandbox, was, was essentially very company specific. So creating rules around one specific company, or rather not enforcing oh. rules for one specific company. Play, and now the favorites. Playing favorites, right? Now they have a much more equitable approach where they will say, no, this is the way the market works. And you can petition us so that we can change rules, but you'll still have to play and operate using the same rules that, that, that everyone else has. So no more shady, uh, say, interesting business model fintechs, just it all has to be under one rule book. Be fair. It's not shady if the CFPB said it's, it's the CFPB's fault. Then exactly, if they let you get away with whatever, so they, exactly. they decided this wasn't a, a good way to go, and or a kind of a sign of maturity that they're ready to have standardized rules. Um, they are kind of yeah. like one-off things for things they don't understand. Yeah, and I actually see this as again as a positive because it means that now as a company you can actually petition the the CFPB and say, hey, this rule is either unfair or it can cause consumer harm. Let's maybe address that or find ways to modify it to make it a fairer marketplace. Yeah, a fair marketplace. So they haven't gotten into the NFTs enough, that's for sure. They they, they sure have not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to say long term NFTs. Not the probably not a great investment. I, I think a lot of those big buys are, are are from people in the market trying to pump up the market, right? Of course, it's all wash trading, painting the tape, all these things that, that we've talked about. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the CFPB is kind of rationalizing their uh, regulatory stance, and we kind of expected that. Um, this was a, a year. Well, last year they were talking about focusing more and kind of establishing more standardized rules, more long-term thinking around cryptocurrencies. And um, there's still a lot to do with that. I mean, banks still can't really do a lot with cryptocurrencies because the rules are vague. So right. we, we expect a, a lot more rules and, and clarity uh, around the space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is just it, kind it, of a first step, right? It, it is. I think that there also may be politics to play here because um, the sandbox was actually enacted under the Trump administration. And now Biden's saying, hey, number one officers have one rule set for all the players. Okay. So any any good news at all? Well, I, what, I what think, do you got for me? I think this is good news. And I think that the open scene diving is also great news for, for the industry. So yeah, it's it's not all doom and gloom here on, on the Fintech Newscast. Yeah, I, I guess yeah, we should have uh we should have had our business plan ready already, huh? We, 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 should, have. A, we should have we missed yeah. a peak. Yeah, I'd say uh get a code because winter is coming, my friend. All right. Hopefully your fintech where you work at is doing well and your fintech investments 
always stay up. Please hit subscribe and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Uh, buy a warm coat. Mm-hmm. <laughs>